I'm Nels Nelson, and thank you for downloading this episode of Nels Nelson's Interesting People. Today I am joined by Barry Davis. You may know him as the Blue Jays on-field reporter. A few years back, he was a big part of the reporting staff on Rogers Sportsnet for the Blue Jays and all the Blue Jay games. Uh, You may know him from his podcast, Out of the Park, where he interviews past and some current baseball players from around the major leagues. You might know him from the tribute bands he's in. Uh, One of them is a Cars tribute band. The other is a Tom Petty tribute band. And you find out he's also working on a little group doing Beatles songs as a tribute. So the guy likes his music. He loves to entertain. He loves to perform. He also sells cars. And uh, he joins me today in a a fun interview, a great interview, a multi-part interview because you know, technology and our internet connection kept cutting in and out. He also breaks some news about a podcast coming up, uh, a Blue Jays reunion podcast, where he's going to get about 10, 12 former Blue Jays players from a year recently gone past, and they're going to talk about the Blue Jays. So he broke that on my show. That's his first guest to break something on my show before he breaks it on his show. So I'm very appreciative. Hope you enjoy this episode of Nels Nelson's Interesting People, where I'm joined by the very interesting Barry Davis. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by on Nels Nelson's Interesting People, a podcaster, a broadcaster, a band member. He does a lot of things. It shouldn't be interesting people. It should be Nels Nelson's busiest people. Uh, Barry Davis. Barry, how are you? You forgot I sell cars too. Right. Yes, you sell cars. Yes. I didn't want to. <laughs> Although no one out your way is probably going to come all the way out to uh, Georgetown, Ontario. But I, I didn't uh, read your entire uh, Twitter handle. I wanted people, you know, to click on your name if they don't know you already. I'm sure most people are going to know you. So it's oh, good. I'm, they have to have long memories. <laughs> long memories. You know what? You you featured in prominently though in some pretty important memories recently in the baseball world. You know, I definitely remember you celebrating whether or not you wanted to or not you wanted to. Come on, with the Blue Jays in 2015. How did you not? Know the oh, whole yeah. country celebrated, right? Listen, Nate, I'm 53 years old, so I've been watching the Blue Jays since day one. Uh, between 1977 and 1992, I was just, uh, you know, just a fan watching from the outside. And I was fortunate enough in 1992 to start working in sports radio and wow. had the opportunity to start covering the team on a regular basis in 93. So what many people saw from me <laughs> when Bautista hit that home run was, you know, 27 <laughs> years of pent-up uh, frustration as a Blue Jays fan all coming to the forefront at the same time. And within seconds, uh, if you watch the video, you see very quickly that my celebration jump was very quickly muted when I realized that, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm a professional. Time, yeah, but at that time, I didn't care. I mean, and I don't think anybody else cared. You know, no. I never heard a single negative thing from uh, from management, from fans, from anybody. Uh, I don't think anybody had any issues with it. And if they did, nope. they didn't have ah. the balls to tell me. So, You know what? I think everybody was jumping. I'm 40. I turned 42 in July. So I remember 92 being a Blue Jays fan. My mom was a huge baseball fan. She played baseball. She's on one, like those women's baseball teams. And I was like a bat boy when I was four or five for her women's team. So she was a baseball fan. So I love baseball. Her and I would watch baseball together a lot. So I remember when the Blue Jays won, like uh, the first World Series in Atlanta, it was still jumping Joe. He caught the throw over from Mike Timlin to get the last out. He was jumping. And then the next year he was jumping Joe Carter again when he hit the home. So there's a lot of pent up energy, I think, for the whole nation. Right. And... I, I no one cares, but how does that work? So you're working for Sportsnet. They they own the team, right? Rogers owns the Blue Jays. As far so as I know, you, for now, <laughs> for now. So you're kind of like a double, right? You're working for the team and the and you're the on field reporter, and you jump. You're excited. Everyone's jumping excited. So no one noticed. No one cares to complain. I wasn't complaining. I just thought, man, how awesome would that be? And it wasn't like you were the only one in there having a good time with the team. That shy DeVito is in there. There's a lot of guys that cover this team and they must feel a bit like, do you feel a bit like you're a part of the team when you're covering a team day in and day out? 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, and again, my role was a lot different than uh, the sports writers or other yep. broadcasters simply because I was a reporter, so my job was to get stories, to break stories, to tell the news. But as part of the Blue Jays broadcast, my job was also to, and this was, this was what I always looked at it as, I wanted to be the, the in-between. I wanted to be the one that would connect the players and the fans because there's always been this disconnect. So I felt that if I was myself and I put myself in the clubhouse and made myself feel like I was one of everybody else that was watching at home, which I, deep inside I am, I think mm-hmm. it made it a little easier for people to relate to the players. And I was able to, to get players to kind of open up a little bit and give people at home a chance to see uh, you know, a little bit what's behind the curtain. And that's always been my yep. goal when I have players on my my podcast every week yep. and I don't go for the current players very often because I don't find that they have interesting enough stories to tell. They're so <laughs> focused on the game. Right. Uh, I mean, we've got an episode that uh, went live on Sunday with former Blue Jay, Jesse Carlson, and he just goes to town on why he hates Jorge Posada so much and why he right. threw at him in 2008. <laughs> and he tells us why, uh, tells his teammates that he's had that he doesn't like. Uh, which is really cool. So, yeah. uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this right now. This is gonna be the first anyone's ever heard this. Uh, we have something in the works right now. We're planning a Toronto Blue Jays 2018 reunion on my show. Uh, we're looking to get 10 to 15 guys from that team and just let the let the chains off and let them go. Nice. Well, thank you for that. I'm gonna dangle it. You want to hear breaking news that no one else has heard? Check the podcast out. I didn't even break it on my own show. <laughs> what the hell am I thinking? <laughs> Hey, you're on your own show later on here in about an hour. You can break it then. So this is your test run. Okay. I'm I'm more than fine being your guinea pig. I'll take that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I got a list of questions for you. And, I, you know, you always pre-write your questions. You know, I'll go in this order. It never happens when you interview somebody. Um, and hey, you're you know I, tell, I tell young <laughs> broadcasters all the time, do not, if, you, if you're going to write questions, do not number them and do not nope. write them out as questions. Write them out as <laughs> topics. These are exactly. things that I want to address during the course of this conversation. <laughs> and, because... and can you frame it that way? Barry, I'd like yes. to address this. And yeah, yeah, good, good point. Um, uh, so one of them was working closely with the Blue Jays at the time. And obviously you spent a lot of years, 20 some years involved with the organization and capacity of radio television. When, who in your time, because now you can look back at it, was your favorite? I don't want to hear about the worst ones. There's always going to be guys you didn't impress, or meh, or they're so focused, like you said, that they're just doing their job. But who is some of the ones who will just stand out for you when you look back? And I mean, why most, is it most... Munenori Kawasaki? And no, uh, just no. Who are some of the, the ones yeah. that stand out to you as great guys, nice guys, always had time to connect with the fans? Like you said, you're representing both sides of the story, right? Yeah, so, I mean, from an entertainment standpoint, yeah, Minonori Kawasaki, Joe Biagini were the two guys that I was able to have the most fun with and really, really uh, kind of uh, let loose and, and just have fun and just be natural with them. Uh, yep. As far as, like, the nice guys that I've had to deal with over the years, uh, so let's kind of go in, in reverse order. So let's okay. take it from um, the last couple of years I was with the Blue Jays. Uh, Devin Travis, right at the top of that list. Uh, one of the nicest human beings that I've ever had to deal with, uh, hands down. Uh, I, I feel horrible for everything that's happened to him injury-wise. I'm really thrilled that he's uh, now in a coaching position in the minor leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. But Devin Travis, one of the nicest human beings uh, I've ever had a chance to speak to. Kevin Pillar was fantastic, too. Um, you know, he's done some controversial things and had some issues with himself, but... Uh, He's always, he would never say no uh, when we stuck a microphone in his face, and he always had something good to say. He's a guy I could call up today and say, I want you on my podcast next week, and we'd be able to, be able to do it. So yep. uh, he's up there as well. Uh, going back a few years before that, uh, Aaron Hill was just a terrific guy, although Aaron's completely gone off the grid since uh, uh, he's retired from baseball. I'd love to know what he's up to these days. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there was just so many great characters over the years, and I've been fortunate enough to get to know a lot of the uh, alumni guys that I either was just starting to get to know when I first started my career, or I didn't know them until, you know, years later. Mm -hmm. And I look at guys like Dwayne Ward, Jesse Barfield, Lloyd Mosby, uh, all absolutely uh, wonderful human beings and and people that I've been fortunate enough to to call friends uh, 
at this point in my life. That's that's amazing. Those are classic names right there. So it's still yeah. surreal when I say that, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, these yeah. were these were guys that I grew up watching, and uh, I got the opportunity to meet them uh, throughout the years as they had come back for different events, and I uh, had a chance to be at that fantasy camp and uh, have them mm-hmm. as coaches, and uh, just just great great people. Honestly, yeah, they you it's it's like actors and stuff too. You know, the, you you just seem when you see them perform, they just seem natural, and you think you get a good grasp of the good guys. And you're probably not shocked when they turn out to be good guys. These athletes, right? You know, you're like kind of expected you to be a good guy. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. I I want to know, Barry, were you always like I want to be in sports? I want to be a sports broadcaster, radio, television, whatever. Was that your dream growing up? Was that your 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 desire and how do you go about that and and what did that look like starting into it uh broadcasting tv movies music whatever i just wanted to be i wanted to be famous growing up uh sports i was always a huge sports fan but i would also say i was an equal part music fan so right uh i as a 10 year old when my mother gave me this uh, tape recorder a little cassette tape recorder that had a microphone I would go out to the playground and just start talking to people with the microphone. So I was literally interviewing kids in the, in the playground. <laughs> How's that new slide, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you hurt yourself? Uh, how long do you think you're going to be before you can get back on that swing again? You know? <laughs> nice. That's, so yeah, that was good. really the dream, but uh, both my parents were uh, in the entertainment. My dad was uh, your 1950s lounge act singer, entertainer kind of thing. So he did everything, and my mom was a dancer, and they used to do gigs together back in the days. So that's how they met, and so it was kind of in my blood. And from the time I was really young, I, you know, again, I was, I always wanted to be on stage. But as far as the sports part of it, I mean, again, I grew up such a huge fan of the Maple Leafs, and then in 1977, I was already watching baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, my, my mom's side of the family is all from the United States. I was born in Florida, moved to Toronto when I was three. So I already had that kind of baseball mentality <laughs> that yep. uh, American kids have. And then I discovered hockey and then I fell in love with that too. But uh, yeah, I remember going to Blue Jay games uh, as I was a teenager and I'd look into the broadcast booth and I remember saying, how do you get in there? How do you become... Right you know, Tom Cheek and Jerry Howard, how do you get on the air? And it was always something I, I always, at that point, realized I wanted to do. But then I got bit by the music bug. And from the time I was 16 till the time I was around 21, uh, over those five years, I was, in my mind, going to become a famous rock star. And there was no backup plan. There was, you know, I was working in a factory, making crap money, working terrible hours and hating every minute of it. But I knew that I was working towards becoming a rock star. The rock star thing never did happen. Uh, well, I, I've had more success in music over the last five years than I ever did uh, in my younger days. So it's nice that I've been able to kind of get that back into my life. Yeah. But yeah, the dream was always there to, to find a way. And, you know, the real interesting thing about how I ended up from being this crazed fan who wanted to get on the air to actually getting the opportunity was I lost my factory job. My boss called me into the office one day. I was 21 years old. I'd been working there since I was 18. I was, you know, full time. I was making probably around eight bucks an hour and I was loving it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my boss called me in one day and he said, uh, what's wrong? I said, I don't know why. He goes, because you look like you don't want to be here. I said, I don't know. I mean, I come here, I punch my clock, I do the job, right? Yeah. He said, yeah, yep. you know what? I'm, I'm going to lay you off. I go, what do you mean you're going to lay me off? He goes, because I think it's for your own good. He goes, I, I don't think you're happy here, and I think there's more for you. I said, yeah, but I need a job. He goes, well, you know, you won't always feel that way, so you're laid off. And I went home, and I was devastated. Uh, my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, uh, I said to her, I said, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't have a job. I have nothing. Where, where am I going to go with my life? Because I was pretty much, by this time, I was determined to, you know, if the rock star dream didn't happen, I was just going to work in this factory until I could retire. Right. And my wife said to me, why don't you go back to school? I said, school, you know, it's been like five years since I've been in school. What am I going to take in school? So, uh, we just happened to have a brochure for a local community college out here. And I started leafing through it and I saw radio broadcasting and I looked at this and I said, I want to do this. And she said, okay, let's do it. 
So I called the school. This was in the summertime. I called the school and they said, yeah, we, uh, you know, we'll have to have you come in and audition. You meet the coordinator. Then you're going to write a comprehension and English test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if you pass that, then, you know, there's a good chance you'll get into the course. Okay, great. So I went and met the coordinator, had a really good chat with him, really connected with him. And he gave me the date for the test. I went and wrote the test. And honestly, Nate, I tanked it. I absolutely tanked. I was horrible. I hadn't done anything like this. I was nervous. And it had been since high school, since I'd written any kind of a test. So uh, I, I did a horrible job on it. And I kind of knew it, but I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm just being hard on myself. So later that week, I had a vacation planned with my wife. My wife and her family are from Newfoundland. So we were out in Newfoundland. Hope I'm not going on too long here. No, no, that's all right. This so, uh, is what makes you interesting, Barry. So uh, <laughs> I'm in Newfoundland and I get a phone call there. And my wife's mother says, there's a phone call for you. And I'm like, how is that possible? Only, you know, my mom knows that I'm out here. So apparently it, it was, it was the, the coordinator of the program. And he called my house. My mother said, he's in Newfoundland. This is the number where you can reach him. And he called me to personally say, I'm sorry, you didn't pass the test. And I was just, just bombed out completely. He said, however, and I'm like, okay, I like the word however. Yep. He said, I really like what, what uh, you know, the connection we made when you came in. And I want to give you another chance to write the test. I said, okay. He said, when you get back into Toronto, give me a call. I'll have you in and rewrite the test. So I did it, and I aced the test the second time. I got into Humber College, and uh, when I got in, I, I knew from that day that I was not there to just screw around. I was there to, to get in and get a job. And the first person I met on the first day of school was a guy named George Strombolopoulos. Nice. And George and I uh, had the very same attitude. We wanted this. We knew we wanted it. We weren't there to screw around. Uh, George had a a part-time job in a local movie theater. He had hair down to his ass. He had nose (laughs) rings and earrings and rings going from his ears to his nose. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, I'd go to the movie theater and he would always let me and my wife in for free, sneak us in and stuff. But we always knew we were going to do it. And right around the end of our, it was a two-year course we were in, right around the end of year one, I was walking down the hall in our area and there was a bulletin board. And on the bulletin board was was a, a piece of paper that had a whole bunch of little tabs on the bottom to pull with phone numbers on it. Mm-hmm. And, and the sign said, would you like a, a summer job in radio? So I looked at that. Instead of pulling one of the phone number tabs, I grabbed the whole sheet of paper off the bulletin board. <laughs> I walked to my coordinator. I plopped it on his desk. I said, how do I get this job? And he goes, okay, let me make you a call. So he calls, uh, which... Uh, it became the Fan 590 Radio. At the time, it was uh, an oldies music station that had the Blue Jay games and was starting to integrate a little bit of talk. Right. And he called. He goes, okay, you got an interview you know, later this week. So I went down, and the interview was 10 minutes. It was, are you a sports fan? Yeah. Are you a music fan? Yeah. When can you start? <laughs> Tomorrow. Okay, so you're going to be working from midnight till 6. You're going to be sitting behind that board. You're going to be pushing buttons and playing the commercials. And that was how I got in. And from the day I got in, I said, well, I'm not going to just let this go away. This is my foot in the door opportunity. Yep. So I took advantage of that and uh, worked my tail off to get to, to where I became. That, that's, that's amazing because you think about you're a Newfoundland, you get the call. This isn't, uh, this isn't everyone has a cell phone, like you said, and easy to track no, people there were down. No and send, a, yeah, <laughs> send a text message. Uh, I know it's funny. Every once in a while drive somewhere and leave my phone at home and my wife will panic. What would you do if you broke down? I'd uh, do what I normally would have done back in the day, knock on someone's door and ask to use the phone. But a uh, good chance someone with a car has a phone now. But that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of destiny, a little bit of luck, a little bit of everything, right? Like yeah. your former boss going, you're not happy or you're going to go do something. That's an intelligent boss that saw that, right? Like, wow, yeah. that's impressive. And, and then it, guys just giving you opportunity right you got to seize those opportunities mm-hmm. you know, so much of life so much of life is that right just seizing that taking the the plunge or the jumping off the ledge opportunity yeah i mean george and i would talk about it all the time and we'd look around and we'd hear some of the voices and say you know there are people here that have more talent than we do that they are gifted with natural ability but mm-hmm. they don't give a crap and how we're going to make it is that we're going to work our way to it. And we were amazed at how many people were just there just to play radio. 
are just to please mom and dad because they're yeah. in college, right? That they didn't yeah. really know the work that was involved in it. And the first year of our course, there was 72 students. In year two, we were down to like 50 from our group and only 37 of us graduated. And of the 37 that graduated, there was maybe a handful that ended up getting jobs in, in the industry. And among them, there's probably maybe, you know, a couple that are still working in the industry. But again, the industry's changed so much. I don't know what yeah. it's like for you guys uh, at West, but I know here right now, um, sports radio, like live sports radio is dead. Um, they just released the recent ratings and the two sports stations right now pretty much have flatlined when it comes to live listeners under the age of 30. People are listening yeah. to podcasts like this one, yeah, but they're that's just right. not listening to live radio. So the industry has changed so much. It's also become a lot more of a young person's game. When I got there, uh, it took me years to build up to the point where I was ready to go on the air. Uh, now, I mean, anyone, anyone is, is going to be able to get that opportunity. In fact, the younger, the better. Uh, they'll pay you crap. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they have people that are not necessarily ready to be on the air, but they're there. Yeah. Um, it's just the way the industry has changed. I mean, you hear it's funny because I sound like a grumpy old man, but <laughs> no. you talk to you talk to baseball players that are in their mid thirties, and I do that all the time. And you know, their beef is I can still play, but if I'm over the age of twenty eight, I'm too old for this game now. Yeah, and it, it's just the way the world has become a younger person's place. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know the sports like here. I live outside of Edmonton, so we have the TSN twelve sixty. Yeah. Um, and then we have at lunchtime on 630, Chad, Bob Stoffer does his Oilers. Now, of course, that's listened to like through the roof. Right. We 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 love our hockey here. We crave our hockey. So that does oh, well. But but the, yeah, well, we got a couple good players. It's, you know, easy, easy. easy Listen, man, nothing it's easy to, watch. to the pain of being a Leafs fan. You know, that's you can right. Say, you can say all you want about how tough it's been for the Oilers the last few years. But man, you, uh, you've won you've won cups in most people's lifetimes. I remember the cups, a few. I really remember the '91. That's ten years old, eleven years old. That's kind of when you start being aware of the bigger picture, right? So yeah, and like I said, last Stanley Cup by one year. Yeah, and you yeah. probably wouldn't grasp the concept of it, right? No, <laughs> so. exactly. And, and you know, it's bad when all the footage they have of the last Leaf Stanley Cup is in black and white. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll admit no color. I, I'll admit I, I do like to you know I, I can take it as an Oilers fan when fans of other teams give it to us and I like to give it back but just in the spirit of fanaticism right not uh, but yeah no Toronto's uh, hey there's players on that team I'd take on our team right and vice versa let me ask you this I mean I know you're doing the interview here but no that's let me ask fine you this. Uh, how would Edmonton Oilers fans react if Sean Avery had attacked Nate McKinnon or somebody, as opposed to his Mitch Marner rant, which I imagine you've heard of or seen yeah, by now. Yeah, uh, you know what, Sean Avery, just yeah, it's kind of like think he needs help. Yeah, <laughs> I it's I need kind, some help right now. It's kind of like I guess I don't know what it's kind of like. It's Sean Avery. That guy has been, yeah. Just move on, Sean. You're you're done. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Hockey is it's a great sport, but like the radio thing, like we were saying, it is. It's it's a different world. It's a podcast world. Everybody wants everything now, kind of thing. And I think the way some of these guys are making, I know Dustin Nielsen at TSN twelve sixty in the morning show. He does a lot of podcasting besides just the radio show. So I know he's yeah. going to have fans who don't even know he's on the radio or care that he's oh. on the radio at six a.m. They listen just for his specific podcasts, right? You got to be they, diverse I, and you got to grind, right? You yeah, grind. I worked at a local radio station just outside of Toronto. And it was kind of my last kind of kick at the can of doing something. And I was there for uh, just over a year. I barely made a penny, if anything. And, uh, you know, nobody knew we existed. And, you know, I had, you know, I would tweet links to my radio show and stuff like that. And people say, oh, you're doing a radio show? <laughs> yeah, well, and, that's what you're doing. <laughs> and, and after about a year, I just said, you know, and then COVID hit too, right? I mean, COVID mm-hmm. changed the rules for everything. And once COVID hit and it was like, well, we can't do the show from the studio anymore. You're going to do it from home. And then I just said, well, what's the point of doing a live show from home? I'll just record it. And, and then I just said, it's not worth it. And I went back to just making my show a podcast. And yep. Uh, then decided to make it a video show as well. So 
uh, I've kept myself busy with that and decided that, you know, listen, I'm not going to become a millionaire doing my show. Uh, no. I'm not going to crack the ratings, but I do this for my own mental health. Really. Yep. I love doing this. And if we have 10 people that are listening to our show or watching the show, then good for them. That's um, right. I just enjoy doing it. And I've also been very fortunate that my, my 21 year old son, I just graduated from college where he was learning to be a video editor and he needed to get some practical work in. So uh, I hired him for free for the last <laughs> six months to help me with my editing. It's easy to sell that to the white. Listen, I'm going to do podcasts and that, but it's to help the boy. It's to That's help right. him That's get right. It's, it's I'm, I'm making a sacrifice here. That's right. And I was fortunate enough that his uh, coordinator uh, allowed me to, you know, make the work he did for me. Uh, as credit. His, his credit, yeah. So that was his placement and his internship. So I actually employed a few students from his uh, his nice. class to get some work in. And I just, uh, yeah, and now they're it, all graduated. It, and I'm, yeah. I'm doing it myself. <laughs> it, it's funny, right? It's kind of a circle, right? A guy told you you're laid off to move on, and here you are helping other people move on in the broadcasting world, whatever that may be. Yeah, so. yeah. It, and when people ask me, young broadcasters ask me advice, it's like, well, the first thing I want to say is run. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> but again, I mean, I would never want to stand in the way of somebody's dreams. You just have to understand that yeah. it, it's not the same as it used to be anymore. You want your own show? You can have your own show. Everybody can have their own show. Yep. Do you want to make money doing your own show and, and having a career doing your own show? Well, then that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I just think of the thing, you know, you can be anything you want to be, but you got to finish the sentence. It's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of struggling and a lot of discipline, right? You just got to, the world, I think, maybe missed some of that. There's a lot of people who just want everything given to them, but you yeah. got to put the work in. You know, I tell my kids that I've got 14 to seven year olds in my house. And I tell them every night or every other night, you can be anything you want, guys. You just got to work hard for it. So mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And dad's not going to stand in your way. You want to be an astronaut, be an astronaut. You want to be a mechanic, be a mechanic. You want to be a professional video game player. I don't care, but you're going to have to work at it. Right. And, you know, that seems to be the story of life of those who succeed or find happiness. Let's let's not put money on it. Let's just find happiness. You know, I, I don't make money doing this job. Hey, you're back. There yeah, you go. Sorry about that. I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> this is this. Speaking of editing, you're now going to have to hire someone to edit that. Oh, I'll get it. I'll do a quick edit. I don't go too terrible. I was just saying, right, you chase your dreams. I don't think it's always about money. It's just about doing something that makes you happy. You know, I'm a, I'm a garbage man, and I do this because the entertainer cool. gene in my soul. I just want to entertain people and... I used to do that getting on stage and as a fundraiser and that stopped with COVID. Right. So I went yeah. to podcasting and audio dramas. I just like to entertain people. If people are having that's fun, right. That's, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan. Spotify isn't going to pay me a hundred million dollars to do a podcast would be cool. I wouldn't say no, but Listen, that's I, why, that's why I'm spending <laughs> my days selling cars. Right. Because, <laughs> right. You know, if I want to keep doing, this and you know basically my deal with my wife is if i'm not going to be making much money doing this i got to find a way to make money <laughs> doing something else so right. as long as i can do that then there's no problem with the amount of time that i'm spending uh doing what i'm doing right now so exactly uh, now unfortunately so like you know before covid hit um you know things were great i mean i, my, I had two bands on the go we were gigging mm -hmm. pretty much every weekend um you know, the podcast was going great. We had a bunch of sponsors on board and then, you know, COVID changed everything. And I don't know how things are going to recover in this industry from it, uh, how things are going to be different. I think about, um, you know, you, my God, this is, we, we have bad Wi-Fi in Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, it's everywhere. If it's not yours, it'll be mine and one of my seven children logging on to one of their YouTube channels they watch or a TikTok yeah, I, video they're making. I got to yeah. ask you this, and I'm sure okay. your listeners yep. have probably heard this story a million times. Seven kids, dude. I mean, how do you do it? How do you, first uh, of all, where do you find a Wi-Fi provider that can give you enough bandwidth for seven? I don't know, have enough. For I should talk to Shaw about sponsoring me because they've been really good. Uh, I've got a great unlimited plan with them. And speaking of your one, you've, you've dropped again. Okay. <laughs> if it's not my end. Um, but yes, your your bands, sir. Yes. Quick quick riff on those. 
Yeah, so uh, we're back on stage on July 1st for Canada Day. I'm not sure how the thing is going to go over. Uh, they've got a large parking lot, and mm -hmm. uh, they're going to allow people to bring their cars in and hopefully get out of their cars. But uh, as you may know, Ontario is uh, behind the rest of the world in, in the reopening <laughs> phases. So uh, we just kind of go day by day and hope that yeah. today's the day that, you know, hey, we can actually go sit outside in a restaurant now. Nice. Uh, we that was us two so. weeks ago. We can now go into a restaurant here in Alberta. Mm. So, I forgot yeah. what that's like. Uh, I know me like you know technology is great. We can do this stuff easily now. But you know sometimes everybody in the world wants to be on their internet right now around the country. Yeah. Everyone's awake in Canada. <laughs> yeah, technology is great until it's not. Yeah, until it gets in the dang way, and then you wish you had landlines. Yeah. So system. how much of that music stuff did you get? Uh, just that you guys got a parking lot and you guys are going to aim for July 1st. <laughs> wow. So let's get right to it. Get to the All question. Right. All right. So you've got two bands, just uh, one's for the Cars tribute band, or the Tom Petty tribute band. I'll ask you a question. Favorite Cars song, favorite Petty song, and the favorite ones to perform for them. Go. Oh, man, that's way too tough. <laughs> I can't pick one. All right. Um, uh, like, there's just so many, man. Uh, and, and now uh, my co-host on Out of the Park, Tom, and I have taken our uh, this time during COVID and have created a little duo that we do oh. Beatles songs. Oh, so, so a third band. Started, yeah, so because we know that when things open up, it's probably going to open up for patios first, right? Yeah. And there's probably a, an opportunity for smaller uh, groups, know, like a, yeah, a little duo sitting outside. So it's through the wonder of technology. This will sound like one episode, but it's actually through the. Frustration of technology is 24 hours later, and we're going to finish it off. Barry, thanks for joining me again. Uh, it's great to be back with you. <laughs> Although the people that are listening have not seen any any delay at all, right? That's, this that's is just right. A continuous conversation. Just, just a couple of like pauses and jump cuts through like seven different edits to get a minute and a half sections in. Um, Nelson, I wanted to make sure that you actually, you know, earned your money this week and actually had to put some effort into the podcast. So, uh, yes, yes, I appreciate it. You're also the first ever second time appear on a show, even though it's going to sound oh. like one. So thank you. thank you. Thank a you. A lot's for... happened since we last spoke. Yeah. How about those Blue Jays? It's always nice when they beat up on the, the Red Sox or the Yankees, isn't it? If you're a Blue Jays fan and you're looking for some fun, uh, just look at any Facebook Blue Jays group. And yep. then look at posts from three or four days ago when people were saying that Bo Bichette needed to go to the minors and this offense uh, is home run or bust. And they, like, <laughs> no, that's, that, that's the Blue Jays for the last, what, decade is home run or bust? I mean, yeah, you're, you're but, in a home run or bust division, right? Yeah, they're, they also, I think, have the, the highest batting average in baseball oh, yeah. right now. So I, I saw, was it Hazel May posted a stat about uh, – Vladdy Guerrero's was it his average or on base and slugging and on that it's like comparable to like Ted Williams and Lou Gehrig for his age like that's some pretty lofty company I think they've got some pretty good young players there it's gonna be yeah, a fun this, team this to just watch in, they're actually good at baseball these kids they are they're just in the toughest division in all of baseball forever and ever like they're right. cursed cursed to be in the division they are but it's such a fun division and like I said when you beat the Red Sox or the Yankees and you thump them 18-4 was it with eight home runs that's a pretty good day at the ballpark just remember they did that despite Charlie Montoya or sorry Montoya as the fans like to call him you know he's he's no John Gibbons is he <laughs> I love so Gibby. Gibby, Gibby's in interviews after was Gibby that laid back yes. in real life like just enjoying what? being like what a guy the only thing that you didn't see from Gibby uh, was more of his uh, profane side after a couple right. of years. Well, but, you know what? Uh, he, he strikes you as the type who could let loose and do But he seemed oh, like yeah. – was he a player's manager? Is that a player's 100%, manager? 100%. 100% a player's manager. And uh, although not every player that ever played for him liked him. Uh, right. We had, we had Jason Fraser on our podcast about a month or so ago, and he – he was very, very clear to say, listen, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I just didn't like him. Didn't like right. him as a manager. Didn't really like him. I did never got along with him. So, I mean, there's always going to be players that don't like a particular manager. Right. But most players that have played for Gibby love him. And, you know, did he make, you know, and here's the thing, and I know we're kind of going off topic here, but, 
name name one manager in baseball history that's never screwed up. That's never <laughs> name one manager in history that fans have not said this guy needs to go. It, right. it, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect manager. Managers okay. base their decisions a on the the information they have in front of them, and on many occasions a gut feeling. And yep. if that gut feeling works, then the player did a great job. If the gut feeling does not work, then the manager screwed up. Yeah. I think it was Gibby said, you know, it's just roll the dice sometimes, right? It's just, yeah. it's just a, like you said, it's a gut feel. And yes, it's in any throw, sport, right? Yeah. You throw a bunch of, am I allowed to swear? You can swear. Yeah. I always they, they throw, rate these. <laughs> you throw a bunch of shit at the wall and one of the pieces is going to stick. And that's, that's what right. the hope is sometimes. And when you're yeah. the Blue Jays, and I, I can't stress this enough. This is a team that has not played a home game since 2019. I know. It's not I mean, crazy. That's all you need to say. They have not played a game in their home stadium since 2019. They're yeah. missing their biggest free agent acquisition in the yeah. offseason and their closer and their new young closer that was supposed to take over. So the fact that they are where they are, uh, yeah. I think this team deserves so much credit. You know, to be, what, three, three and a half, four games back heading into the All-Star break, that's a pretty good position to be in. because so much fun. Yeah, they're and fun. so much can happen in August. Right in September, mm-hmm. and we saw then 2015. Right, they went and got David yep. Price and just went on fire. No one could touch him. Hottest team in the league, and this team can hit. And yeah, if they can get Springer, because that guy's just sheer power. I mean, yeah. like, well, oh, it's, it's funny though that that the the same players that fans are ripping, you put on the MLB Network, and these you know guys that are not paid to promote the Blue Jays are talking about what a great team they are and what great players they are. So I'll take the word of, of people that have played the game before <laughs> and that are, you know, a little bit more in tune than yeah. Joe Blow sitting in front of his computer who uses an egg as a profile picture. Yeah, so. but you know it's easy to be armchair GM. when. Of course it is. When, and, and that's part of me, the fun of sports, right? But, yeah, yeah. It, it, gives me, it gives me entertainment every morning when I get up and look <laughs> at all the panicked fans. And, that you know, is... here's the thing, too. And I noticed this from my years of covering the team. And when I first started covering the team, there was no social media. But nope. when social media started, uh, and you look at 2015, 2016 in particular, I saw more angry Blue Jay fans complaining then than when the team was terrible. Like, people out here are just afraid of success. Uh-oh. I don't, oh, they're just going to blow it anyway. They're going to go on a 12-game losing streak, or they're going to lose in the first round, or they're, you know, they're, they're going to lose the, when they get to the World Series. They're just going to lose the World Series. Oh, oh, they won the World Series? Well, they're going, they're going to lose all their players in the offseason, right? It's like, yeah. just enjoy the moment. That's right. Just seize it and enjoy it. It's, it's funny because, you know, obviously here where I am, it's the Oilers, and we have, I don't think you could argue, he's the best player on the planet right now. And yet everybody's just talking about, well, when his contract's up in six more years, he's out of here. Well, let's worry about six years when six years come. Let's enjoy what we have. Ah, but they're not make, winning the Stanley Cup. Well, only 16 teams make this playoff. They're one of them. They didn't do it. you got to get in to have a chance. And, you know, it's not easy. These are professional athletes who basically spend 24 hours a day focusing on their job. It's going to be hard. And that's yes. what makes it fun. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Alberta right now, but I mean, people in BC, they're probably absolutely loving what Sean Avery had to say about the Leafs. <laughs> well, I'm sure some here are loving it too. It's just, you know, I, I get caught up in it during a game and then I do like the entertainment value of say our reddits and our social medias about the Oilers and what Ken Holland's going to do. This is a guy who was like in the playoffs 25 years in management. Like, the guy knows what he's doing. Oh, but he's old, and he stutters when he talks. Well, he's also old, and that's just how he talks. Like, the guy's guy's not a dummy. But again, like, name a manager or a coach or any any sport who's perfect. And, yeah, he he would be worth a zillion dollars and probably in every Hall of Fame because he'd have the master secret. So, one thing about the Blue Jays, uh, covering the Blue Jays, I was going to ask this yesterday, didn't get to it, but I wanted to ask you, does do the players on the team get the concept that it's greater than Toronto? It's like a 35 million person fan base. They've got a country behind them. Do they feel that? Do they get that? Like a country can like the Raptors did as well, but do they kind of understand that? I think they do a lot more now than they did 20 years ago. And here's why. Um, First of all, they 
are going on these uh, trips, the guys that go on the trips in the off season, the, the winter, right. Uh, and they go to, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta and Newfoundland and all over the country. I think that those players see it firsthand uh, how many Blue Jay fans are all over. I think when they go on the road and they play in Minnesota and they see people coming over from Manitoba, uh, when they go to Seattle, especially. Seattle. Yeah, it's like Canada North. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. Honestly, uh, Nelson, it's like no other environment I've ever seen at a Blue Jays game. It's I I love it so much. It's my favorite place to go uh, to see a Blue Jays game on the road. Well, in Seattle, so, yeah, because think... they jacked the prices of the tickets up because they know Canada's coming. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and the, the Mariner players and the Mariner fans hate it because there are more Blue Jay fans there than there are Mariner fans there. Yeah. So, But, yeah, I think that the coverage that this team is getting uh, nationwide and the fans that they're seeing, you know, yeah, they're American cities, but a lot of these American cities are closer to other provinces, and that's why mm-hmm. they're getting people from other provinces to come yeah. and see them. So uh, I think they're, a lot of them are very well aware of it. Yeah. If they're not, they find out very quickly. Yeah, because I think it was a, a tweet from R.A. Dickey a few months into becoming a Blue Jay, and he was, I think he, or the first year he was here, and he took his family like on a trip across Canada, and he said he was just blown away by how many blue jay fans there are it's a whole country it like hit him he's like i'm yeah. playing for a country not just a city i'm Absolutely. playing for a country yeah. and i just thought that was kind of unique with like the basketball team the blue jays i'm sure the expos if they were around in social media they would have had a lot of that feeling too because there's a ton of expo fans that are in this part of the country because you know they were the first one in canada to be a team so oh, for sure yeah. you know and uh man it would be good to have a Canadian rivalry in basketball and in, in baseball, but yeah, maybe, maybe well, one day, I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. I'm just glad I remember the Expos, you know, I paid yeah, enough it's a attention. shame that it had nothing to do with lack of fan support. It was all ownership Yeah, and it, it, it's a real sad thing. And hopefully one day we'll see, we'll see baseball, you know, I was going to say Montreal team in Canada. Montreal is a baseball point. city, right? Montreal is oh, yeah. a baseball city. Yeah. Um, they love baseball there. I was so, going to say it'd be nice to see baseball in a second city in Canada, but right now I'm just hoping that baseball. We see it one. <laughs> yeah, we see one team play in Canada. Yeah. Now they well, were. Hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Uh, somebody I know posted a picture of the Sky Dome this past week. I, I call it Sky Dome. I'm sorry. I, yep, I can't call I it. I still anything. do too. It's all right. <laughs> uh, somebody posted a picture of the roof being tested the other day. So, oh, so it might it be a possible. Maybe they're already anticipating that the team's going to be able to come back, you know? So. It'd be nice. Well, the government said the American hockey team can come as long as they stay quarantined in their hotel. Well, that's what I don't understand. If, if they're so, allowing the president's there, teams, yeah, if they're allowing American hockey teams to come into Canada for the Stanley Cup playoffs, then why can't the Blue Jays play in Buffalo or play yeah. in Toronto? Yeah, exactly. I I think it's I think the country needs that. You know, the city needs it for you guys in Toronto. And yeah, I call the Sky Dome. I've been there when I was. 18 i got to go there and i sat there i'm from a town here in vegreville is 5,000, 6,000 people i sat down in that place and i went we could fit like 11 vegrevilles in here <laughs> it was huge <laughs> i was like just blow i missed the whole game i just spent the whole time staring around at that build at, at how big it was in there and then i went to the next game it was a series against the rangers and i went to the next game and i actually watched baseball but that first game i was just blown away by that 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 ballpark and i thought it was a cool bar ballpark still do so well, call it the sky that call it what you got us call yeah. it it's a pretty cool place i i always got a kick out of when visiting teams came and rookie players who were making their first trip into the building would just stand and watch the roof open mm-hmm. and, and, like you know like it was the most incredible thing in the world now when that building was made in 1989 we were also impressed that it only took only took 27 minutes to open up the roof now you <laughs> go to one of these one of these newer stadiums and it's literally 27 seconds in the room yeah is, is that not seattle uh where's one of them yeah well, arizona, arizona for sure arizona Houston. yes yeah and, and, then, and yeah, meanwhile, they just... <laughs> meanwhile the, the skydome roof now takes 27 hours to open yeah, it's hand cranked, is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, and it makes noises. You can hear it. It's screaming. It's saying "ouch" <laughs> as it's opening. So they try to open that up early before before anything. Anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, 
Uh, good. Thanks for the little Blue Jays talk. That, that was good. I enjoy it. Uh, like I said, I'm a big Blue Jays fan. So it was fun to watch Vladdy and, and Teoscar and I think Bo hit one. Cavan, he hit one. Like they were, they were hitting home runs. Yes, Simeon, he's been a pretty yeah. good one-year signing. Hopefully, is there a chance they sign him again next year? You never know. But again, th- this team does have a lot of young players that are oh, on they do. the cusp and ready to take over. So, and then this is one of the things that you know. I I'll leave it at this when it comes to the Blue Jays. Um, this is a team that is not built to make a one-year run and done. Okay? No, they're and not. I think that's what a lot of Blue Jay fans were upset about when Atkins and Shapiro came in and they started tearing the team apart because they're like, well, what this team was was no, this team was great for 2015 and 2016. Look at the look at the roster from 2015 and tell me how many of those players are still playing in the majors right now. Uh, Donaldson's he's in Minnesota. Um, is Jay Hat still pitch? He's in Minnesota. Maybe. Funny yeah. they got really close to coming back to Canada as close as they yeah. could get. Uh, but, but my else? point is, my yeah, point is, you're right. most of that team is is either retired, playing in the minors, or trying to get back in the game. So they had to do what they had to do, and it takes some pain. I mean, Edmonton Oilers fans know that. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you think of dynasties, you think of those Edmonton Oilers teams of the, of the late '70s and early '80s. I mean, you had to. It, it took takes time to build yeah. that, but you want to build a team that's going to be competitive year after year, and that's what's going to happen. And they've already got the young kids, be, you know, behind, ready to take over from some of these guys that are setting the table right now. Right. And, you know, it, it it's one of those situations where it hurts for a while. You want you hate to see your favorite players go, but I'll take a couple of years of of crap to know that they're going to build. Listen, in 1994, 95, yep. the Jays instead of doing a full rebuild, they said, no, no, we're just going to keep trying to patch this team together and sign an overpriced free agent and, and keep ourselves competitive. And guess what? They were good. They were okay mm-hmm. for many of those years, but they were never great. They were never a team that was going to compete for a World Series. They were a team right. that was going to be 500 or somewhere around there. That right. was 27 years of that. So yep. I'm, that, that was how it worked that way when you're spending every year. Now we're seeing kind of the fruits of the labor of scaling back for a few years. That's right. Yeah, and building something that uh, other teams in the AL East are probably going to be afraid of for mm-hmm. five, six, seven years instead of ah, oh, the flash in the pan here, and then we get through it, and then the Blue Jays go back to being that team where everyone goes, "What are they doing?" Right? Yeah. So they got a lot yeah, of good young say, talent. It's, it's, it's nice fun that, to watch. Oh yeah, it's nice that our phone hasn't cracked today, so that's good news. Yeah, well, maybe it's because all my kids are in school and my wife, she's gone off to do her uh, workout. She works out in the morning. I don't work out. I'm a certified dad bod instructor, so <laughs> uh, my my working out is refing. I ref hockey, of course, haven't done much of that in the last 16 months. I think I ref three hockey games last year. And the day I recertified my uh, refing course for the year was the day Hockey Alberta canceled the season. So, yeah. so well, I'm I, wait. I'm. I think I'm going to start at the young guys. I don't know. We go by U11s and that now. We can't call them the old Tom Thumbs and Peewees and Bantams mm-hmm. and all that anymore. So when they tell you, you have a U13 game, I'm like, what level is that? I I just walked into the arena last year, totally lost. So I got to learn the the soccer lingo and the rugby lingo. I'm a rugby ref too. I retired from that because of my arthritis. But uh, yeah, refing is my uh, exercise because you can put a lot of miles on in a weekend. Um, but I haven't done much of that. So yeah, no one's in the house. It's weird. I'm not up in my room where the deep freeze is and a kid usually trying to come in and get a popsicle or a freezy. So I'm sitting downstairs in the wide open space next to the, next to the internet. So that's probably why we're all doing much better than yesterday. So, well, it was, uh, it was great to get back on the show with you and uh, we'll have to do it again. I'm going to, uh, give you a nice plug on my podcast and then all right. in return, I'm going to tell your listeners uh, to check out mine out of the park. Yep. Uh, you can subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we're on all the streaming services for the audio version, but watch the video because it's uh, we, we put a lot of work into the video. It's a lot of fun, and this week is is an absolute classic uh, with Jesse Carlson, who was part of probably the biggest brawl in Blue Jays history at Yankee Stadium, and he'll tell everybody why he hates Jorge Posada so much and the Yankees, and and there's some he does not hold back at all. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to that one. I've got your uh, 
your podcast saved is one of my must listen to ones. So I'll get oh, to I appreciate that. that. So uh, let's just quickly pick up and wrap this up so we can, you know, get on with our, our busy lives. Um, yesterday we were trying to talk. You're, you're for sure in two cover bands. Um, tribute bands. Come on. Let's tribute, that right. not cover. My, my bad. I'm trying <laughs> to read, read, I'm trying to read my notes and, you know, not, not, I'm so weird and so quiet. I'm too ultra focused. Two tribute bands, one for the cars. Uh, it's called Driven, I believe. Is that yes. it? Okay. Yep. And for Tom Petty called We Ain't Petty. You got it. And you also said yesterday you and your, I assume, good friend were starting kind of a duo. It's my co-host. Beatles. Your co-host. co-host. There you go. Yeah, Tom Fourth. Uh, yeah. Yep. Beatles so, uh, tr- kind of tribute band. How, and yeah, we're, we're, we, what your we plans decided- were. Yeah, so basically, we just get together with our acoustic guitars, and we started by playing a whole bunch of Beatles songs, and then said, you know what, let's just expand it, let's just do good songs that have good harmonies, and so we're doing a whole bunch of stuff now, so when the clubs open, at least for patios, we can uh, come at them with three or four different possible lineups that we could do, so got to keep ourselves flexible, as the times change, uh, so too, uh, we have to change how we decide we're going to attack this, right? Right. So, so are you more of a backup singer? Are you the lead singer in these oh, bands? Or how does that work? See, now you've done your research with the uh, the podcast, but now you've got to do some research with the band. Right. I, I know. i got to dive in here. <laughs> yeah, because I actually play the role of Tom Petty in the in We okay. Petty. So, full, full on wig the whole bit. Nice. And uh, I also do the lead singing for the Cars band. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've become there. And this was, again, growing up, this is what I always wanted to do. Yeah, to be the rock star. And is it, yeah. So now I get a chance to live that. Well, I did for a while until COVID (laughs) closed everything down. Yeah. But hopefully one day that will happen again. Well, you know, that's uh, that's fun. When I realized you were in the Cars, it made me think of my favorite band, whose inspiration was the Cars. And they've been around forever. No, uh, Collective Soul, Ed Roland. Oh, is that God, I love Collective Soul. Collective Soul, I've seen 13 times, man. Every time oh, they're wow. in, in Alberta, in this area, my wife loves me enough to go along with me, and she's secretly a Collective Soul fan, but she, because whenever a song comes on, she's singing the songs along with me, so she knows them, but huge. They're still going after, like, 27 years. They're, yeah. they're still rocking. So when the 90s came... I was one of those old fogies that was so hooked on my classic rock, 70s and 80s stuff. I refused to listen to anything 90s. Right. Collective Soul was the first band that made me realize that there's some good music being played in the 90s. So uh, I've been following them since their first album. There you go. One of their inspirations is the Cars. See, so that's probably why. They they got a few of the vibes that the Cars had. You know, they're rinsing that. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that. a A lot of songs with one word titles. They may lead the league in songs with one-word titles. But they're good songs, man. They're good songs. It's yes. funny. Uh, Ed Roland was always asked, why do you write three-minute songs? He goes, I've never thought about it. I guess that's just my thing. Why wouldn't <laughs> just, you? Just a riff and, and a great, great catchy lyrics, and away you go. And everyone knows Collective Soul Song. Everyone Tom knows Petty. Shine. Everyone yes. knows those, right? So. December. Yeah. Uh, Tom Petty always had a theory, and it was, don't bore us, get to the chorus. That's a good theory. Right. And that's why he's a legend. You know, God rest yes. his soul. Um, so, well, that's cool that you're, you're doing that. So I did try to get what's your favorite Cars song to perform and Petty song. And I could say Beatles. All right. So that's All right. Too, too hard. Okay. But if you no, want to. I'll attempt... give you. I'll give you. Uh, so favorite Cars song to perform is probably either uh, a Bye Bye Love or Moving in Stereo. Okay. And my favorite Petty song to perform, uh, I would have to say my favorite song to perform would be Won't Back Down, just because the reaction That's that we song. get every time we play that song. Yeah. People love and, that one. And, and you have free a Beatles. Fallen, of course, right? Free I mean, Fallen. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about Beatles song? Have you guys uh, worked out what's the best one? You haven't done it live yet, but do you have a feel for what's going to be oh, a good man. Beatles one? See, now that's that's the hardest thing for me. And as a big Beatles fan, I almost <laughs> didn't want to do it because I don't want to. Once you learn how to play a song on guitar, it changes forever how you hear the song. Right. And as such a huge fan, I want to be able to enjoy the songs uh, from a fan standpoint. Right. So I was real hesitant, but now, right now I'll just do it. And my favorite <laughs> Beatles song, it will change on a daily basis. It just depends on what kind of mood. 
That's uh, right. That I'm in. But I think that right now, the one that I love to perform uh, with Tom is probably If I Fell. And uh, mm-hmm. you can see a video of that, of Tom and I performing that in, uh, in front of the fire in my backyard. So check out my YouTube page and you'll be able to see that. See, like I'm just plugging all over the place. All right. Well, let's do some plugs. Where can people follow you and find you? You've got your Out of the Park podcast, you've got YouTube. Uh, yeah, I just... would say the best thing to do is follow me on Twitter, at Barry Davis underscore. I post all my links. But if you go onto YouTube and type in Out of the Park, uh, you'll see all of our, our show videos, uh, a lot of the music. Because we, when I had time, I also did a weekly music podcast called Sessions. And we've had some great artists, uh, including uh, Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's, the bass player. We had her on about a month before they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. So uh, a lot of great music stuff. And hopefully, if uh, time permits, we'll get back into doing our music shows as well. Yeah, I know. You see, you're a busy man. Like I said yeah. at the start yesterday, should be interesting. People should be busy people. Um, exactly. And now I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you and inspired by your wife's working out. And I'm making a smoothie to take with me to work instead excellent. of garbage well, food. So. I, I, I will mention that to my wife, that she inspired Barry. And she who's Barry Davis? And I'll have to show her a video. And, and My stuff. wife says that to me, too. <laughs> Yes, I, I don't want to know what my wife says to or about me. Um, who is she? Uh, who is this guy? Oh, I'm married yeah. to him. This guy? Yeah, get back to work. A um, uh, couple other things to wrap up. Uh, we did the shout out to your podcast. I scratched some quick notes yesterday after. Okay. Uh, one of the things, one of the things I think, besides the passions and interests, you're into a lot of things, but what's just change it up totally. I like to do this. Uh, what's a big pet peeve of yours in the work, like in life and work, whatever, what's a pet peeve of Barry Davis? Uh, so when you're driving on like a two or three lane road where mm-hmm. it's kind of a highway, but you get lights too, is when a transport truck is in each of the three lanes and you're <laughs> behind, you cannot, you cannot, and the light turns green and you have to literally wait 10 minutes to move because... All three lanes are filled. So that's my biggest pet peeve. Uh, I laugh because I drive a garbage truck in Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, you're one of them, aren't you? You do that. <laughs> I, I just laugh because a couple of reasons. And my dad, he's 72. He's still a truck driver. He's truck, been a truck driver his entire life. Like since I think 16, he started driving truck. And I'm actually trying to get him on this podcast next weekend and Father's Day talk to my interview my dad as a truck driver i think that'd be kind of cool that would be really cool so dad when you're listening to this uh please come on next week and follow up barry davis but i just laugh because i've done it but i also do it just because i know sometimes i just it's one of those things we hate being in the right lane because everyone merges into that when you got to slow right down middle lane's where it's at but taking that third lane uh, you got to be quick you better be really on the ball (laughs) don't be loaded this is what i have to say this is what i have to say about your excuses I'm not making it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah. about it. You, you could just say what I tell my kids. They're like noses. They all, everyone has one. They all smell. But I get it. it. Makes it makes me mad too. Of course, that's the PG version of that whole excuses yes. thing. But well, I, uh, I could do this all day, but I literally have to go to work. But uh, yep. I look forward to uh, to doing this again with you sometime. Okay, can I get one last quick one? My signature yes, question please. in for you. Uh, looking at your life. To this point, of course, you got more life to live, Barry. Uh, what Let's inspiration? Hope. What inspiration do you here? I'll knock to. What inspiration do you take from your life that we as listeners should take from your story thus far? Oh, that's an easy one. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something, and never think it's too late to start something new. Uh, roll with the punches, man. You know, as as uh, one door closes, another one opens. And as I've always said, this is my favorite John Lennon quote of all time. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Amazing. That is yeah. awesome inspiration. Um, thank you very much for doing this, Barry, and coming back the next day to finish this off. So we can have a finished podcast for everyone to listen to. I appreciate it. Uh, let's, let's talk again sometime down the road. Let's see what life has in, in months down the road. Maybe we'll, we'll be able to share some more stories. Sounds good. Look forward to it, Nate. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been... Nels Nelson's Interesting People with Barry Davis. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. And the blender goes. (laughs) Take care, Barry. Bye. I'm Nels Nelson, and thank you for listening to Nels Nelson's Interesting People. 
If you'd like more information on this show or other shows coming up, feel free to follow me on Twitter at AudioNels, or you can go to facebook.com slash Magnicity Productions, and you'll get show updates there. Also, you can email the show by going to the email button on your phone or on your computer and emailing nninterestingpeople at gmail.com for any suggestions of people you'd like me to interview or maybe you want to be interviewed on the show. Reach out to me any of those three ways. Once again, thank you for listening to Nels Nelson's Interesting People.